0: Welcome to Road to Equity, a student-made podcast exploring equity, diversity, and inclusion in the Ontario Tech University community. Each episode, we'll feature a member or friend of the university to cover a topic personally relevant to them and share their experiences. As the listener, we hope you can take away some insight into their life and understand what challenges are presented to your fellow Ridgebacks. Together we can create the paths leading to change and head down the road to equity.
1: All right, welcome everybody to Road to Equity. Before we get started, I'd like to begin with a land acknowledgement. I'd like to acknowledge that the lands I'm standing on are the traditional territories of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee and the Wendat peoples and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis people. We also acknowledge all treaty peoples, including those who came here as settlers, as migrants either in this generation or in generations past, and those of us who came here involuntarily, particularly forcibly displaced Africans, brought here as a result of the transatlantic slave trade. Today, I also pay tribute to those ancestors of African origin and descent. In the spirit of this acknowledgement, I'm committed to reconciliation through honoring the land, respecting its indigenous heritage and being supportive of indigenous peoples and their ongoing efforts towards emancipation decolonization, and self-government. chi Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Lins, a final year mechanical engineering student in the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science here at Ontario Tech. And I'll be your host for this episode of Road to Equity. I'd like to welcome our guest Nermeen Abdullah A learning programs manager in higher education. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So I think we'll get started today with some brief introductions. So if you'd like, you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Please feel free to share your pronouns, your background, anything else you feel may be relevant for our listeners.
2: Sure, Um, so as you said, my name is Nermeen Abdullah. Um, My pronouns are she and her, and I run the learning and outreach department at a higher education organization in the UK in London, uh, which is where I am right now. Um, I grew up in Canada, which is why I don't have a British accent, uh, and I currently live here now.
1: Awesome, so um, would you mind beginning probably to provide some context for our listeners could you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your day-to-day position
2: yeah sure so um we have a, a variety of learning uh, and outreach programs our actual organization it specializes in uh, uh in in art and art history. So we're a charity and research center um, and we um, fund and support work in, uh, in in British art and architecture. And so what I do specifically though, is I run a series of programs that seek to get um, uh, more people interested in, in British art and architecture. So we have a study abroad program. We have a series of adult learning lectures uh, that run in the spring and in the autumn we have an art writing competition, which we run in collaboration with another uh, organization here in the UK to encourage students to think, look and write about art. Uh, and then we also have a series of um, networks for uh, graduate students and early career researchers who have just who are either working on their PhD or have just finished working on their PhD and are looking to get support uh, and advice uh, as they look for a job. Wow, okay, very robust set of programs. That
1: is awesome. Love that. Um, so to get kind of started here, we're we're looking to learn everyone today in the uh, space of equity and inclusion. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, how your interest in equity and inclusion has kind of developed over time.
2: Yeah, um, so I... Uh, first became interested maybe four or five years ago uh, I came across a book called The Good Immigrant uh, which is a a series of uh, of essays by uh, people of color uh, who talk about their complex experiences thoughts and feelings as uh, immigrants or children of immigrants living in the UK Uh, and it's got me really thinking about myself and how I fit in Uh, into that discussion and that equation. Um, And I started reading and learning more about people's experiences with race and identity. But um, I started engaging in a more active way, uh, actually after experiencing a racist interaction last year. Um, I realized that I had all of these experiences that I had boxed up and compartmentalized, um, which is a pretty common coping mechanism. Um, and sort of as part of unpacking all of these things, I started reflecting more deeply on how I can take a more proactive role in creating awareness and, and making change, even in a tiny way.
1: Awesome, that's very interesting. It's unfortunate to hear that um, your interest is kind of sparked by some negative events, but I think that a lot of people are able to relate to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm just gonna kind of jump right into it, kind of kickstart our conversation. Recently, there's been what seems like a very large push for equitable practices in the workplace. Uh, do you have any type of take on some of the new initiatives that may have been born from more recent conversations?
2: Um, I, think, I think it's a good start uh, and we have the potential to head in the right direction. Um, I'm a little bit cautious, I guess, because uh, historically, when these conversations have happened, um, they tend to run in a bit of a cycle where there's this big push for change, um, and uh, there's some attempt to move in a more positive direction in the form of of policies and initiatives and programs, Uh, and then that impetus fades away. Um, Priorities change, uh, funding dries up, and then all of a sudden that push for change just disappears until the cycle kicks back up again. Um, I think maybe this year uh, is a little bit different or it feels different. Um, um, And many activists and and analysts have uh, pointed out that um, one of the key differences in the conversation over racial equity uh, over the past year is how wide reaching the push for change has been. Um, people and institutions that have previously uh, sort of avoided uh, these conversations or ignored these conversations are now getting involved and, and pushing for change and there's more accountability or there's more demand for accountability. So um, I think only only time will really tell uh, how committed people and, and organizations really are uh, to making the radical change that I think is needed. Hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree, and especially given the uh, worldwide pandemic and the big push to have everything online, I uh, I think that the access, perhaps, to some of the discussions and information has has definitely changed for the better. People are able to kind of take things at their own pace and have a look, reevaluate maybe some of their practices. I'm wondering if you can maybe share some of your experiences um, from the workplace and uh, with regard to equitable practices or um, just equity related topics. Mm -hmm. If you could share maybe what your experiences have been and maybe how they've differed f- in geographic regions. I know you mentioned that you were raised here in Canada mm-hmm. and now based out of the UK. Have you noticed any major differences there? Uh,
2: yeah, um, I think uh, I- I'm, sh- I'm sure there are tons of differences, but the two sort of major ones that I've observed um, and I think has become really apparent to me over the past year is uh, the language. Uh, that is being used in conversations uh, specifically about racial equity. Um, Language that's used in Canada and in the U.S. is very different to the language that's being used here. Um, uh, I mean, from things like acronyms like uh, like BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Colour, to to the appropriateness of certain certain terms. Um, there's There's some terms and there's some language that is just Incredibly offensive, or seems incredibly offensive in the U.S. and Canada, but here it exists in a bit of a gray space, um, and it's really odd because I have have grown up grown up in Canada and being heavily informed by by American pop culture, I have that sort of res- that really negative uh, 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 response to the, to the, some of these terms, um, and and challenging the usage of it, of those terms is really It's different, it's difficult and it's a lot more challenging because it exists in this gray area. It doesn't elicit the same kind of outrage that it would were you to use that term in Canada or in the US. Um, Cultural touchstones, sorry, uh, also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I've always been aware of the sort of the cultural differences between, uh, between the UK and Canada and, and the US and, uh, But uh, it became really clear to me when I attended a workshop a couple of months ago, um, where, a lot, and it was run by a, a British scholar and the audience, like it was a, a audience of my colleagues who are predominantly British as well. And the, and the pop culture references that were being made were very different uh, to the pop culture references that I would make in discussions about racial equity. Um, Everything from from TV shows in the 70s and 80s, um, they're very different from what was going on in the 70s and the 80s in in the US and in Canada. So I think how people think about these uh, topics and these issues is very different because of the the cultural and historical and touchstones and context that these conversations are happening in. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. That's. Interesting. That's definitely not something I would have expected, but um, I
2: guess yeah. it makes sense. I mean, you having, could have uh, huge, sorry. No, no. Uh, you could have. I mean, a huge conversation. I mean, have an entire podcast series about just the image that the UK exports uh, to uh, to North America, to around the world, um, and like think of shows like Downton Abbey and The Crown, and how that intersects with. Britain's colonial history and colonialism and how that impacts racial identity and racial equity in a very real life way in the UK. Um, I think the way people globally see the conversation about racial equity happening in the UK and the way people experience it here is very, very different.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, definitely uh, food for thought there. I. I suppose it does make sense that uh, with the different influences that there would be a a change in the culture. But I uh, never would have expected it to be quite so staunch. Um, You mentioned specific examples like language. Would you say that, um, in your general experience, people have been, uh, let's say, I don't want to say open, that's not quite the word, but receptive to um, discussions about how maybe certain language may or may not be um, acceptable. let that
2: word. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, or certainly speaking from my experience uh, working in my organization and having these conversations with my colleagues, um, I think there has been uh, an, an openness. I think there's, uh, people are receptive to learning more because I think there is a realization that uh, that w- sort of we're collectively, we're at a bit of a loss as to how do we have these conversations if we're not certain about what terms we use. Um, I think uh, a good example might be um, the acronym BAME, which isn't, uh, a term that gets typically used in Canada, but it means black, Asian, minority, ethnic. Um, and it is it has become an umbrella term to as a catch all to refer to, to all people of color in a very institutional uh, sort of clinical way that um, actual people of color don't respond very well to. Uh, but institutionally and organizationally, that's what's being used when discussing Uh, uh, racial equity so I think there is a mismatch at the moment uh, uh, about sort of terminology and I think that's really important you need to have like sort of a a ground you need to have the foundations uh, in having these conversations and I think certainly at my organization where we work we are we're thinking about it quite heavily and in fact uh, earlier in the month in December we had a workshop on language uh, so that we can sort of Explore the idea of of acronyms. Explore BIPOC. Explore BAME, um, and and question our usage of them. And what do we mean when we say um, uh, a person of color? Interesting. Um, what's uh, what's your
1: feelings about those types of workshops? Do you find them uh, valuable, helpful? Does it in, engage people in meaningful conversations?
2: Um, I think they, um, I think they're like, with everything, there's pros and cons. Um, certainly for our organization where we haven't, uh, had many, if any, conversations about racial equity at all, I think it's a good stepping stone. It provides a forum for people to, uh, to voice their ideas, ask questions. I think there's a lot of, I think people don't know things and are afraid to ask those questions so it provides an opportunity for people to uh to, to vocalize them to to say i'm not really certain about this what 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 does this mean um and by having a sort of an external um a leader who is running the workshop um they can then sort of who is sort of well-read and sort of experienced in in, in running uh, workshops and sessions on uh, on race equity. They can then help shape discussions without it turning into sort of a shouting match. Um, not that that would happen at <laughs> my organization, but um, but it, I think it, it's it. I think they they can be very helpful, and they certainly have proved to be helpful for for our organization.
1: Mm, good to hear. Definitely good to hear when uh, an organization is at least making an attempt to create those safe spaces to have conversations. Exactly. Um, touching on kind of spoke about and creating those safe spaces within um, the workplace, ha- have you felt that you have been included in those safe spaces, given that you do kind of have a unique situation where um, you weren't kind of raised in the UK and then there is kind of a difference in culture. Has, Has your workplace kind of made it a priority to make sure that there's space for you to have and kind of express your, your opinions and your experience particularly?
2: That is a really good question uh, and a very complex one to answer, I think. Um, I think, uh, I'll be frank, they haven't, uh, but um, I think that may be changing and I think a big part of that has been, I've been pushing for that change. Um, and I guess that's where the complexity in the question comes from, right? Is that something that I should be pushing for, or uh, is that something that the organization, is it their responsibility to ensure that there's a safe space for me? Um, we're, uh, like I said, we never uh, a, we've had very few. Uh, organizational institutional conversations about racial equity and we we do now have a race equity working group that is uh, consists of members of staff and our, our fellows and members of our community we meet monthly to discuss um, a whole bunch of initiatives both internal and external and a big priority is to have a race equity or rather an equity policy at work not focusing specifically on race but on all of the protected characteristics here in the UK um, so I think while it is a bit muddled and complicated at the moment i think hopefully we'll be able to work towards establishing an equity policy so that um people of color who work at the organization in the future don't have to exist in the same um limbo that i have had to over the past few years um, and that things are a lot more clear-cut and safer for them good
1: well it's good to hear i mean it's unfortunate that it's still a work in progress, but I suppose work in progress is better than uh, no work, no
2: progress. Absolutely, <laughs> I think. It's, I mean, the fact that are that people are still engaged on uh, on the this uh, on in these conversations, and that we're still having the conversations, and the commitment to meeting every month, I think is is really. It, they seem really small, and I can, and they are. Uh, but also at the same time, they are huge steps. Um, it's like the baby steps towards towards <laughs> uh, sort of something bigger.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which is which is is good. That's definitely indicative of uh,
1: at least a trying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, in in light of, of the fact that things are still as as we'll put it a work in progress. Um, I'll ask: Have you had any experiences with? Uh, I'll call it performative support within the workplace um, where people who may or may not have previously acknowledged that there may be some inequities within the workplace have kind of approached you and decided that they want to engage in discussion within the equity space you know the we want to help or or what can I do I'll I'll come up with something to help I I don't want this to be a problem anymore
2: have have you experienced any of that um yes and no so uh definitely have experienced performative support but not quite in that way I think uh there hasn't been so much of uh people coming up to me and saying oh we need to do something i think or, or rather we want to do something i think there is uh instead been uh, uh more of a uh, statements like we need to do something collectively. So um, the the impetus hasn't been put on me, um, sort of the responsibility and, and the labor to do all the work hasn't been put on me. However, I have seen performative the support in other ways. Um, and it's, um, part of me it feels really hurt uh, uh, by, by some of the things that I've seen happen, but also, uh, I've been trying to think a lot more about uh, assuming positive intent from people uh, and I'm also trying to be mindful of the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, and that <laughs> um, everyone's mental health is suffering um, and try not to to judge people who have walked away from conversations as an indictment on their commitment to, to the discussion. Um, and sort of hope that it is just rather as a result of just the challenging time that all of us are going through.
1: Interesting. Um,
2: Would you be able to expand
1: a little bit on a a few things there? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So you talked about assuming positive intent. And I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate on that Um, Mm -hmm. for people who may or may not have um, really much or any knowledge Mm
2: -hmm. within
1: the Context, it, it may not quite be obvious mm-hmm. exactly what
0: you're talking about
2: there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it so the idea is that um, when someone says something potentially triggering, um, to try and see it um, as uh, sort of beyond your trigger, I suppose is a is a, maybe a way to put it. Um, I'm. I guess I'm struggling to describe it because it's also something that I'm. I'm it's not something that I've mastered. Uh, it's not something that mm-hmm. I like know in and out of. It's uh, something that I'm still figuring out and and definitely struggling with. Um, I just I found it exhausting to be constantly uh, hurt and upset by something that someone has said, um, and. Um, I had to think about ways in which uh, I could protect myself uh, and sort of ensure that my mental health isn't being destabilized uh, every time someone says something that is potentially uh, offensive, but also maybe not that sort of exists in that in that gray space. Um, And sort of wondering and sort of questioning those statements and wondering, well, are they being are they being racist or are they are they are they coming from a place where they genuinely don't know, and they just don't have the they're not equipped with the language to to speak about it uh, and to articulate their question? Um, yeah, I don't know if that explains that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, would it be fair to say that uh, it, just to kind of um, reiterate that? Would it be fair to say that? Uh, something, uh, maybe a method that you've used to try and protect your own mental well-being and perhaps even physical well-being um, is just to assume in general that any negative interactions you have came from a place of ignorance rather than malice.
2: Yes, you put it much more articulately. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, well, I, this may be more of a personal question, but have you found that that's been uh, like very helpful for your mental health. Is that something that you would perhaps suggest to other people who are kind of struggling with um, managing different interactions that they're having on a day-to-day basis?
2: Um, I don't know that I would recommend it solely because um, I don't know what another person's experience has been. Like they may have mm-hmm. had. Um, uh, I mentioned at, at the at the at the start where that. I realized that I had boxed up a lot of um, uh, interactions that are uh, that were potentially triggering and that are that were and are racist uh, and compartmentalized them as a coping mechanism. Uh, Not everyone does that, and so people's experiences may be a lot more at the surface. And I I can see easily how someone who might have had a series of sort of a lifetime of negative experiences might not quite be in the position to be able to do that um, mm-hmm. but for me it is something that I'm trying I've only been thinking about it and trying it for about a month so maybe <laughs> we can check in in a few months time uh, I let know how it's going but it has um, yeah it has um, allowed me to let go of that initial sort of uh, adrenaline rush of of, of feelings uh, and it's just allowed me to sit back and think a little and reflect a little bit more about what is what is happening.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's well. I think that's good that that you've been able to find something that has allowed you um, a little bit more space to kind of process everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that- um, Exactly that. It, it gives, it's it's allowed me um, time uh, in 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 thinking about what has happened and, and sort of thinking about a conversation or or, or, or uh, uh, an, an incident, uh, and it allows me to to have that space in which I can feel everything that I need to feel, uh, and then th- and and allow myself that because I think that's important as well. Um, but then to, to stop and think, OK, well, let's work backwards and sort of drill down into, into why I reacted that way and what might that other person have been thinking. Um, and then that could, in theory, potentially lead to a more meaningful conversation with the person in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I I really do commend for that. That's, that's a lot of extra work that, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are sat with. Um, mm-hmm. That they they have to not just process that, but they also um, want to do their best to to again assume positive intent and kind of like move forward on the best foot with with folks that may or may not quite care.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, a, a huge motivating factor for me is um, I, I've realized just quite how privileged a position i'm in in, in my organization um, and there have been instances instances in the past where um, i didn't necessarily hold the same privilege at that time but i could have been a better ally and i could have been a better supporter of uh, other colleagues of color who had worked at the organization um, and i i think that really um, i think about that a lot and i think about what I can do to carry that forward now that I do have this position of privilege, um, having made it through the quote unquote door. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, when, I'm, sort of when I'm tired and when I'm frustrated, I, I think about that a lot. And I, and I really use that to motivate myself because that is really important to me. Um, I think holding that door open and making sure that anyone who crosses it uh, into sort of the field and organization that I work in, um, as as a person of color, that they they have an ally on the other side of that door and they have the ability to walk through it as well. Um, I think that is a huge motivating factor for me. So when I when I when when I think about um, the fact that yes, I do have to do all this work, um, I think for me it's important because my my motivation is to help other people
1: that's great that's amazing um so uh just now you made kind of an analogy mentioning that you were through the the door uh do you think it would be fair to say that uh given your your current position and kind of where you fall within perhaps your organization or even your team would you say that you're through the door but not quite at the table
2: um I would say I'm through the door at the table, but I'm in a child's booster seat, if that makes any okay. sense. Um that um there are times when I feel like maybe my voice isn't heard um the way I would like it to be. Uh and so while I've been sort of invited to the table to have these conversations with people. Um, maybe I'm not, maybe what I'm being, what I'm saying isn't quite being heard the way I want it to be. Mm
1: -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, have you found specific ways or, um, perhaps certain actions that have worked for you to create safe spaces for yourself in the workplace? I know we discussed positive intent before. Mm -hmm. Um, but perhaps that have kind of helped put you in a position to be at the table. Are there any concrete things that you have made it a point to sit down and learn or relearn or specific actions that you've taken in order to kind of position yourself um, in a little bit more of a comfortable place within your professional life?
2: Uh. I wish I had a better answer for you, but actually I I really don't. Um, I I am looking for suggestions if anyone has them. Um, And I know that this is the listeners of your podcast are probably sort of keenly sort of listening in on this question and sort of looking for like, oh, what can I do to potentially apply to my own life? Um, uh, I I really don't have the answer. Um, I think one thing that has changed for me, uh, in feeling more comfortable and um, feeling safer in having these conversations is weirdly enough the pandemic. Um, the physical distance between sort of myself where I am in my house and the office um, has created like this sense of safety because I'm in my home, you know, I'm uh, in my space. Um, so it means that, um, or it has created I think in my mind a sense of, uh, of being in a bubble of being on my own territory, so to speak. Um, but on the other hand, um, and I think anyone who's who is working through the pandemic can can attest to this, that lack of boundary between work and home life means that um, work as well as these conversations are constantly present, which is also at the same time exhausting. So it's it's been liberating, but also really, really tiring. Um, but I mean, we'll see what 2021 brings. <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe I can figure it out. Absolutely. And uh, you
1: mentioned boundaries just now. Uh, would you be able to perhaps discuss the importance that boundaries have played in your life, particularly um, with regard to your experience um, in an equity space at work?
2: Um I'm not quite sure. Could you maybe clarify that for me a little bit?
1: Yeah, of course.
2: Um, so
1: recognizing that like a, a lot of conversations in within the equity space, whether they're relate race related or gender identity related or any of the plethora of things that fall within that space. They're very draining. They're taxing. Um, they there are definitely important conversations that have to be had, but mm-hmm. not, not not necessarily um, at will, per mm-hmm. se. Um, it's, I think something that we've discussed throughout kind of our podcasts are different boundaries that people have put in place that may or may not have been respected mm-hmm. um, in order to kind of perhaps either protect themselves or just kind of limit certain discussions to where they feel they're comfortable because we recognize that everyone is still learning about themselves Mm -hmm. and about their experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just wondering kind of if you've had any experiences that that really stick out related to maybe some of those boundaries that you may or may not have set.
2: I think the first thing that comes to mind, I think, is sort of thinking about my current working environment uh, and how sort of the physical space, uh, the impact that has uh, on on my mindset and sort of my thinking in having these conversations. And, um, I mean, it sounds it's such a great question, and my answer feel, it feels really flippant, but honestly, uh, I try not to have. Uh, these conversations, uh, the meetings, uh, sort of as part of the race equity working group, or even uh, sort of in meetings with with my boss, uh, where conversations turn to my experience. I try not to have them in my bedroom. (laughs) Um, It just the idea that that's sort of like a a sacrosanct space uh, for Mm -hmm. myself, uh, and, and that it's a space where sort of these conversations they don't enter and that actually comes from um, a really negative experience over the summer where I was talking to a colleague uh, 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 myself and actually it was a group of colleagues we were having a conversation about uh, about uh, race equity um, and um, I was gaslit in a conversation and that happened in my room uh, and immediately after that person called me up and, and apologized, uh, but it was, it was such a traumatizing experience that, um, that, that's that's i like, think i decided i agree i promised myself that i would not have conversations about um about race, race equity in in my room or at least not with with my colleagues not in a work context um in in, in my bedroom um so it's not really a boundary that can be violated because it's mm-hmm. me uh but it, it's a it's a boundary for me to enforce um and i think that maybe extends that, that can be extended or at least gives me the confidence I feel to then extend that in setting future boundaries and saying, well, right now is not the time to talk about this, let's talk about it in this other context or when I'm ready uh, to, to have this conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. And thanks for sharing that. It's definitely uh, very interesting. And I think um, especially poignant, given that a lot of our listeners are students and um, given the circumstances of some of us, we, uh, I know I am, I'm confined to uh, working and sleeping both in my bedroom. So definitely, definitely something to explore there. Um, Just kind of as a a last question, uh, wrapping up, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to students who Mm -hmm. are looking to create awareness and kind of incite change?
2: Um, I think, uh, I think there are three major things that um, mm-hmm. I would suggest. Um, I think, or, or three things that I would point out. Um, that one of the things that I've realized is um, learning, uh, whether it be engaging with activism on social media, or reading a book on equity, or listening to a podcast, um, is uh, continuous. Um, there isn't a point at which you become educated on equity and that marks the spot or the point at which you can then go out into the world and creating awareness. Um, one of the things I've uh, come to realize over the past couple of years is that these things go hand in hand. Um, uh, creating awareness and change uh, happens simultaneously uh, lead to, to learning and the two feedback off of one another. Um I think the second thing that I would uh, point out is um, uh, keep an open mind and be prepared to make mistakes. Uh, But be kind to yourself when you do make those mistakes. Um, It's important to learn from them uh, and to carry what you've learned, not the guilt from having made the mistake forward with you um, as you as you try to make change. Um, And the most important thing uh, is to take care of yourself. Um, There are so many (laughs) self-care tips out there um not everything works for everyone but find what works for you uh and and do it and prioritize yourself
1: wonderful advice absolutely wonderful um uh before we uh wrap up is there any last words anything else you'd like to share something we haven't touched on
2: um i mean i guess um Uh, oh, Sorry, my brain just stopped. Um, I think uh, having a support system is, is really important. I mean, I just mentioned taking care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it comes in the form of, of friends and, and family. Um, and I'm privileged enough to have, an a- have access to a therapist. Um, but not everyone, obviously, will have access to those things. Um, what they provide for me is a sense of community. Um, and you can find community anywhere, uh, in all sorts of places, in, in, in fandoms, on, on TikToks, uh, on, on uh, amongst your classmates. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think having that having that support system has been really, uh, really important for me. And it's uh, been a journey, and I think it will continue to be a journey. Um, yeah, uh, not very articulate. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's perfectly fine uh, definitely like to echo that and um, that's actually a great point that you bring up I'll uh, I'll reiterate that for any students of our institution or people who are members of the uh, Greater Durham region community uh, you definitely have access to resources please feel free to um, visit the My Campus website or the Ontario Tech website. There's a plethora of resources on there. If you feel the need to talk immediately, there are 24 seven hotlines that you're able to access. And there's also some ongoing resources uh, on there. You could uh, join a support group, listen to our podcasts as Nermeen mentioned. Uh, Lots of different options, so definitely encourage you to try and find community. We definitely have many that you can choose to be a part of. Um, With that, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Road to Equity. Um, A reminder, there are resources for you to use in order to learn further on your own. You can check them out in the episode description. Please stay tuned for our next episode that you can find hopefully in the coming months. <laughs> uh, and you'll see information for that on the Student Life social media at OT underscore Student Life. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. To find more resources, head to ontariotechu.ca forward slash equity or log on to the Student Life portal. To find more information and keep up to date on events, services, and the next episode release of Road to Equity, follow us at OT underscore student life on Instagram and Twitter. Have a great day, and let's ride down the road to equity together.